Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. The title of my message today will be Formula of Faith. Amen? Formula for Faith. That's the title of the message. And in this formula for faith, if you can apply this formula to your life, it will work all the time. I mean, every time if you apply these formulas that I'm going to give you. And I'm going to do it a little different here. I'm going to lay out the first formulas, and then I'm going to go into stories about people who apply this faith to their lives, and you're going to see the results. Amen? So the first formula of faith is have God's word for whatever you may be seeking. Amen? Whatever situation in your life, you have to have the word. Find it in the Bible, write it down, and have the word for it. For example, you would say, Father, I have need of a vehicle. And I stand on your word in Philippians 4.19 for my vehicle in Jesus' name. So you're standing on the word. You got the scripture. You're standing on the word. You wrote it down. That's the first thing you do. That's the first formula. The second one is well, the scripture I'm going to give you on that is Psalms 119.89. Psalms 119.89. Have your word, O oh God. Your word is ever settled in heaven. Your word is settled in heaven. Amen. The second one is going to be believe God's word. You have to believe the word of God. That's John 14.1. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I remember God told me one day, he said, Troy, you have to believe in my word when you pray. And I said, God, what you mean by that? He said, when you pray, you have to literally believe that it's going to come to pass. If you speak the word, you write it down, it should surely come to pass. Amen. Not believing and people say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. No, you have to stand firm on the word of God. And that goes into the third part. I'm going to go fast on these because I really want to get into the stories so you can get a, a good view of what I'm saying. The third one is, if stand firm on the word of God. And that's Ephesians 6.13. Stand firm on the word of God. You see, you see, uh, I said, uh, see, faith is saying, I wrote this down the other night. God gave me this. He said, faith is saying what you believe until you see what you said. So remember that. Faith is saying what you believe until you see what you said. So stand firm on the word. Refuse to let circumstances or what your physical senses may be telling you about it. Refuse to let any circumstance, because the circumstance is going to come. You see, don't be moved by our five senses. You can't be moved by your five senses, but that's touch, taste, hearing, seeing, and smell. You got to remember, the three Hebrew boys, they smelled the fire, but they wasn't moved by what they smelled. Daniel in the line then, he saw the line, but he wasn't moved by what he saw. He stood on the word of God, and he said, no matter what, I believe God's word. See, our five senses, nothing I wrote down. When you put on the helmet of salvation, you are no longer allowed your five corner senses to affect the way you think. So when you put on the whole 
armor of God, you put on the armor of God, your five senses don't play anything because faith is, a, is, a, is, is like a sixth sense. So it's not dealing with what you see, taste, hear. It's not dealing with that. It's a believing sense. You say, I just believe God no matter what. I believe God. I'm standing on his word. Amen? It's, that's the third one. So the fourth one is give praise to God for the answer. You have to praise him for the answer. Say, faith is now. So when you pray and believe God, I'm praising you, Lord God, because I know it's already done. And a lot of people come to church, they're standing here like a frog on a log, not praising God, not doing anything. And my wife was telling me the other day, she said, David, wife, you know, when she refused to praise God and she was telling the man of God, you're embarrassing us, you're doing all this, you don't do all that, you don't do all this. He said, when she decided not to praise God, her wounds was bearing until she died. And I was like, wow. So what I'm saying is praise will stop your blessing. And when you don't praise God, it will just dry up. It will just dry you up. You know what I'm saying? So when you see people out here praising God, come to the altar. Come and praise God for the answer. And you don't have to keep asking him and that. You just thank him for it. God, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that you have answered my prayer and I'm standing on your word. And that's in the scripture I'm giving you for that one is Psalms 147.1. It said, praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Praise is beautiful. You see, praise paved the way for God's power to be displayed. So praise, it opens you up for God's power, God's miracle, for things to happen in your life. And you just praise God. God, I don't understand what's going on. But I praise you, Lord God. I see this, I see it, But I praise you, Lord God. When I'm here praising God, I don't care who's here, who's around my heart. I just want to praise Jesus because I know what he did for me. Amen. So those four things are the formula of faith. Write them down. I want to get into a couple of stories in the time that allowed me. Amen. So if you have your Bibles. Now, another scripture I want to mention that James 1.22. James, now James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was Jesus' half-brother. Same dad, different mom. Amen. Jesus has some other brothers, so I think like four brothers and a couple of sisters. You can read that in Matthew 13, 55. But it talks about Jesus' family. Now, he was the half-brother. And I believe James was so uh, uh, point on saying this. He said, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because I believe he wrote that. If you read the book of James, I believe he was so determined to get this word out because he probably was raised up with his brother. And he was like, well, that's, that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? He's not all that. But, but when he really got the revelation of Jesus, he wrote the book of James to say, man, you know what I'm saying? Encouraging us to believe in Jesus. So now I want to get to stories of people in the Bible who really stood on the word of God and you saw results in their lives. Amen. The first one is going to be Matthew 8, verse 5. And I hope you have your Bible because this is Bible study. I know people don't carry their Bibles too much no more, but carry your Bible. Amen? So let's read. I'm going to read out of the Bible. So it said, And now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a satyrian came to him. Now a satyrian is, is a man, he's like a captain over a hundred soldiers. They, they put him in groups, so he had like a hundred soldiers that he was the captain over. It said, uh, came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is laying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully 
tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come to heal him. The satyrian answered and said, he said, hold up. He said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goeth. And to another, come. And he cometh. And to my servant, do this. And he doeth it. But when Jesus heard it, this is what I want to get to. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those that followed, Assuredly, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Jesus said great faith. Now, there's only two times in the Bible that Jesus says someone had great faith. And the other one, I'm going to get to in my other story. Great faith. And this was a satirian, a non-Jewish person. He was a Gentile. So your great faith don't determine on what you're doing in the church or who you are or who you know or you sit up front or you close to the path. It's not great faith. God don't determine sitting up front or you think you're you know, a minister or whatever that is. Well, I am sitting up front. I think Bishop... Got me on punishment right now, but praise God. <laughs> love you, man of God. But anyway, I love my man of God. But anyway, uh, your great faith don't determine that. It don't determine where you sit and who you are, your cameraman, whatever you're doing in church. It's great faith on your heart. It goes by your heart. Who God, you love God, and I just want to do. God can use a person that clean up the bathroom. God can use someone that's in the kids' department. It don't matter. So it's just a display that God using us as ministers to do what he called us to do. Amen. So this man had great faith. I want to keep going because I know it's a time. Amen. So let's talk about the woman. Okay. And in Matthew 15, 22, I want to talk about this woman also. Amen. Matthew 15, 22. And I'm trying to rush here because Bible study, you really have to squeeze so much time in. So forgive me if it seems like I'm rushing. Amen. So Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman, a canning, a woman of canning came. Now, she was a Canaanite woman, and she was a non-Jewish woman. Remember that. Now, she was a Gentile. Consider her a Gentile. She said, came and cry out to him, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter severely, is severely demon-possessed. Now, she said demon-possessed. She was probably all type of demonic spirit. You see all that stuff manifesting now in this world. So she was literally demon-possessed. Probably had to lock her up in the house. Just imagine how demon-possessed she was, was. But he answered her not a word. Now, see, some of you women would have lost it right there. He, no, he didn't ignore me. He didn't. He, I'm talking to him. He didn't say nothing. But listen, you got to be determined. We're talking about having faith. Listen, see, he didn't answer her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him. I love this right here. Saying, send her away, for she cried after us. Who is the us? Who is the us? This woman trying to get to Jesus. You know what the us is? That's the ones in the church. Like, oh, she don't look like us. She don't dress like us. She's not in us groups. That's the ones who, you know, she don't, she, don't, she don't fit in. And that's the outcast, the ones who think that if you're not part of this clique here, if you're not part of the church group, you're not important. Wrong. Jesus said, uh, Jesus, Jesus still didn't answer her. But look what he did. And Jesus, uh, he said, uh, he's, what did he say? I'm sorry. Okay, verse 24. But he answered and said, he didn't answer her, he answered his disciples. He said, uh, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Oh, God. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. This woman said, listen, he ignored her. He didn't talk to her, but she came and worshipped him. She came and bowed down and worshipped him. Now, this next verse will really make you mad. It really will make you mad. Now, Jesus is not talking to her. He didn't say anything to her. And then look, look what he said. But he answered and said, now he answered her because she started worshiping him. Now he answered her. He answered, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now you know he was lost it right there. A, a woman with a guy up, oh no, he didn't call me a dog. He ignored me. He's not talking to me. I'm done. Your daughter would have been dead by now. She would have been dead because you would have got up in your feelings, in your emotion, got up and left. But you're trying to get something from God. So when you want something from God, you can't let emotions, like I said, those five cents, you can't let those things interfere with what you want from God. I'm determined to get what I need from God. Look what she said. And she agreed with what he said. Then she answered him and said, oh, Lord. Wait, 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 wait. She said. But he answered and said, give it to the dog. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be unto you your desire, and your daughter will be healed from this very hour. The second time, Jesus said someone had great faith. Jesus called this woman great faith. Nowhere else in the Bible he said someone had great faith. Two Gentiles, non-Jewish people. You see what I'm saying? So it's not determined on what you're doing or where you're at or who you work in the church. It's none of that. And I want to say this. He said, Jesus frankly tests people to prove their intention, sometimes through questions or challenges. Sometimes Jesus will ask you something to see if you know, like Bishop. Sometimes a Bishop, I worked for him for nine years. If he asks you a question, he already know the answer. So you might as well just be honest and tell him the truth. <laughs> just, yes, I was wrong. I'll fix it next time. Just, just, just do it. Don't almost waste your time. Amen. He already know the answer. Anyway, but Jesus always do that. He said, how bad do you want it? He said, because great faith does not depend on your background or your position, but your heart. So great faith don't depend on none of that. Now, just because you went to Bible college, you did this, you did, that don't mean anything. Yes, I went to Bible college. That, that don't mean anything. Let's go to the next person. Now, I love this one. This is Matthew 8. Let's go to Matthew 8. Let's go back a couple of pages. And it's just, you know, Bible study used to people here and used to taking your time, but we're on video, so we got to rush through this. Amen. So let's start at verse 40, uh, 40, uh, Matthew 8, 40. <clears throat> Where are we at? Hold on. Let me see. Let's take your time, Lord. Uh, let's, no, Luke 8. I'm sorry. Luke 8 and 43. Let's go to Luke 8. Let's go. Okay, let's go. It's three different verses you can uh, find this. Talking about this lady. Also in Matthew 9, 20, 22, Mark 5, 25, 34. We're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Now, I'm going to read it out of Luke 8, 40. And I'm going to start at 40 instead of 43. I want to get two, since we have for time, I want to get two chapters out of, two demonstrations out of this. Amen. Let's go to verse 40. And so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, 
And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down on Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. He said, and he had an only daughter about 12 years of age. She was dying, but he went the multitude, but when he went, the multitude throwing him. Now what he's saying, when Jesus was walking, a lot of people was around Jesus and just coming against him and just trying to get to him while he was walking. Now listen, it's verse uh, 43. But a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who has spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment. Immediately the flow of her blood dried up. Now, this woman heard about Jesus. Another verse that says she heard about Jesus. That's why you got to get around good friends who are going to tell you where you can go when you need your healing or when you want some. She heard about Jesus. Now, she was a woman with issue of blood. In those days, if you had an issue of blood, you can't be around a crowd of people. You consider yourself unclean. And if you came around a crowd of people, you had to announce yourself, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. You had to announce yourself. But this woman said, I have nothing else to lose. I'm going to Jesus. So she got on the ground. She went to touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and those with him said, Master. Now, this is kind of sarcastic when he said this. The multitude were throwing you and press you, and you say, who touched me? But listen to what Jesus said. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out of me. He perceived power going out. I believe Jesus said, I didn't say who touched my flesh. Somebody touched my spirit. Somebody wants something from me because a lot of people was touching him. But when you want something from God, you got to go in. You got to go get it from God. So Jesus said some power, some dunamis power came out of him. So Jesus felt that. And I say that to say uh, Luke, just look at Luke 10, 19 real quickly. He said, Luke 10, 19, I want to read that. He said, behold, because he gave us the same power. He said, behold, I give unto you power. And that word power is two different Greek words in power in that verse. So he said, I give unto you power. That means exousius, the ability, the privilege, the, the, to use his name. So Jesus gave us the authority to use his name. To tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power mean dunamis, the force, force of might of the enemy, and nothing should by any means harm you. So meaning when you use the name of Jesus, when things going on in your life, when, you, when things are not right, you call on the name of Jesus. He's given us the authority to use his name. So no devil, no demon, no warlock, no anything will be able to come against you. In your home, things ain't going right in your home, listen, you have to, in the name of Jesus, I have praise music going all the way through my house. All the time, you got to have praise music on your house, in your house. Amen. So he's given us the authority to use his name. Sometimes you, have, you don't have time to pray. Sometimes you just don't have time. Tell a quick testimony. Sometimes you got to use your authority. I met my wife, and she's here, and she don't mind me telling you. She was in the hospital. And she was in the hospital, and, and, and I wasn't there at the time, and I had to get there. She called me, and she said, Troy, I'm, I'm losing it. Everything, I'm throwing up, I'm going, everything is going wrong. I'm like, what's going on? So I go there because I just left. I go to the hospital, and I go to, I open the door, and I can feel the spirit of death. Literally, it was dark in there. They had the blinds closed. The, the room was dirty. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? And they had two nurses in there. 
And the first thing I said, I had to take authority over the spirit of debt because it was trying to take my wife. I remember opening that door and she looked me in the eye like, brother, do something. And I had to do something. I said, ma'am, excuse me, Tate, can y'all get out for a minute? I said, did y'all get out? I put gloves. I had to clean up everything because the devil loved filth. So if he's around filth, something dirty, the devil is close by. Check your house. I had to clean up that house, clean up that room, open the blind, cast out that demon in the name of Jesus. You will not take her life. Her life belongs to Jesus. And I had to pray, and I called two of her friends, Talala, Strew, and, and Angie. I said, I need y'all up here right now. Man, those women got up there so fast. Ten minutes. One living in Blue Springs. She got up there in almost 15 minutes. They took care of my wife, cleaned her up, got her together, wiped her down, cleaned her up, and I cleaned up everything. But that spirit of debt was there. If I wouldn't have cared, the devil would have probably took my wife out. Men, sometimes you don't have time to be Oh, God, I just need God to say, no, certain things you take authority over. If it's sickness, poverty, spiritual death, he give us authority over those things. So when you see those things happening in your life, take authority over. Those women came and took care of my wife, and, and we had to do some things in our life. Because after everybody left, I, 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 pray, I was praying at the end of the bed, and I said, God, don't take my wife. I think doctor came and got her stabilized. I said, I need my wife. Thank you, Lord God. And I fell asleep. God told me, you got to forgive. I had to forgive my wife of this thing. You know, husband and wife, you have all type of stuff that you don't forgive her. And God told me to forgive. And at that moment, I fell asleep. My wife said she woke up in the middle of the night. God told her she needed to forgive me. God told her she needed to forgive me. Instantly, God is my witness. I woke up the next day, this woman in there, combing her hair. I'm like, what's going on? Nurse came in there, couldn't figure out what's going on. Instantly healed. Instantly, the doctor said, well, we're going to keep you for two days just for da 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 da, da. Two days later, my wife was walking out of the hospital. And I, and I just threw that in there for somebody. Your marriage or whatever, you have to forgive. It will cause sickness on your body. And it will take you out. It will take you out. My wife, she didn't have to go back to I don't know what was going on in her body, a, a, a appendix or something happened. It just ruptured. Instantly healed. The doctor still couldn't figure it out. But we know God healed her because we forgave. Amen. I just threw that in there for, you know, just so you can forgive. Amen. But let me get back to the story. And when Jesus touched her, see, somebody touched me. Now, when the woman saw that she wasn't hidden, she came and trembled and falling down before him. She declared to him that I perceived that the people are reason. So she came and realized and told Jesus that I was the one who did it. But Jesus healed her. Amen. Jesus did not confront, remember the man, the, the Jairus, when God said to him, when Jesus came to him, but sometimes you hear the answer and saying, do not be afraid. God don't want us to be afraid when things come our way. God don't want you to be afraid. And the end of that story, I was, that's what I'm getting to. And when he was still speaking, someone came from the rules of the synagogue house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. And God, in another verse, Jesus turned around and looked at him and said, do not be afraid, only believe. And I believe God said that to him so the words won't come out of his mouth. My daughter is dead. And agree with those negative words because his daughter would have been dead. So sometimes you got to watch what you say. And Jesus said that, went on the way, his daughter was healed. So Jesus challenged him to faith instead. Regardless of our circumstances, God always urges us on to faith and away from fear. 
Faith is believing in God's word. Amen. Hebrews 12, I mean 412 say, the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit. You got to realize sometimes your soul and spirit is so connected. That's why men, we got to step up sometimes. You can't, you can't make a lot of soulish decisions. You can't make it because your soul and spirit is so entwined. To where if you don't read this word to divide it, you're going to make a lot of soulish decisions. And I say that, you know, most women, you know, women's emotional. We, we go to the store, me and Kelly go to the store with my wife. She said, oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's only $49.99, only soulish. I mean, emotional, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, come on, baby, let's just keep walking. And women are like that. It wasn't me for my wife. Our house probably be naked, so she decorated our house. She do all that. But we got to read the word of God. That's the only thing going to divide it. If you're not, you're making a lot of soulish decisions, and you're in your flesh. You're just carnal. But you read the word, it's going to quicken your body. It's going to tell you, don't do that. It tells me when I'm too hard on my son. It said, you have to go and apologize to Caleb because you was kind of hard on him. I'd be like, I'm, I'm his dad. He said, still. And, and, and I have to humble myself and go to his room and say, hey, and kids. See, kids don't know right now that it takes hard for parents to do that, so they'd be, like, proud about it. And uh, I said, Caleb, I'm sorry. I apologize. I was kind of hard on you. I apologize. You know, kids, they'll forgive you quicker than adults will. So I say that to say sometimes you have to just, just listen to the word of God. Amen. So I want to get to another scripture, Mark 16, 15, the Great Commission, because my time is running out. I have a lot more to talk about, but next time, I guess. It's so important, people, that we have a job to do. We have a job to do. So many people out there, you know, my wife would tell you, I wouldn't see anybody. We'll go to a restaurant, my daughter would be like, Daddy, can we just eat? Can we just, like, eat and don't talk to nobody today? Can I said, now, if, if, hey, if this, if, all you got to do is ask somebody, how you doing? Just say, how you doing? And then once you say that, they're going to tell you how they're doing. Oh, my daughter is sick. Oh, and, gonna, and that's your time. That's your door right there, the witness. But I want to get to this verse because when I read the Bible, I kind of just pick words out. Verse Mark 16, 15. And he said, go unto all the world and preach or proclaim the gospel. Now, when I was reading this, I look at the word preach, and I say, wow, and I just preach, preach, preach. I'm going to read it again. He said, go ye into all the world and take the P off of preach. What is it? Reach. And then I read it again. He said, go ye into all the world and take the R off of reach, and it's each. So Jesus is saying, go ye into all the world. Preach to everybody. Reach everyone. Come on, each person that you come in contact with. See, so, so we have a job to do, people. And it's not going to be done sitting here in the pews. It's not. There's so much darkness out there. I brought, I, brought a, I brought a lighter. And if I was to light this, no, I don't smoke. I got this lighter. But if I was to light this in here, you barely can see it. But if it was dark in here, this thing, you, you can find it. Because we are the light of the world. And if we don't go out and tell people the goodness of Jesus, they're going to die in their sin. So if I'm in darkness, if I light this light, it's going to flare up. So remember, we are the light of the world. And another, I got a little more time, so praise God. Another one, Matthew 16, 13. Go to Matthew 16, 13. 
I love this because it's going to be hard for you to really tell somebody about Jesus and you don't really know Jesus. And a lot of people don't know him, and that's why they don't tell people about him. But I want to say this last one here, 1613, it said, And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men, who do, who do men say that the Son of Man is? Remember, Jesus didn't call himself the Son of God. Even though he was the Son of God, he didn't say it to his disciples because he wanted them to get the revelation of who he was. He said, so they say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Still didn't call himself the son of God. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He called him the son of the living God because he got the revelation of who Jesus was. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. For my Father which are in heaven, he said, and Also I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He said, I will build my church. And that word build is construct or embody. He said, I'm going to build my church of that revelation that you know of me. I'm going to start the church of revelation. So you have to know Jesus by revelation. You can't know him by, by what your mom did. I went to church and with my grandmother and this and that. No, you have to have a revelation of Jesus. And the church is not the building. The church is the call out one. It's called Ecclesiastes. The call out one. God called us out to help build his church. We are here to help build the church, the call out one. And I said this is my last thing. This testimony I want to hear real quickly. When God called me to go to Raymond Bible College, I was in California, me and my son. And God said, I want you to go. I sold everything. I shipped my boxes to go. I was going to, Cal I mean, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Bible College. Didn't know nobody. I had two friends in Bible College. Didn't know nobody. So I'm on my way. Greyhound bus. I said, God, I am trusting you. I'm trusting you to go. I go to Tulsa. I get there on a Saturday. Saturday morning, I arrive in Tulsa. Three big suitcases, me and my son. And he was 13 at the time. And then my suitcase was shipped to, to Tulsa. I got out there. I got a bus. They take me close to Raymond Bible College. That's where I'm going. The man dropped me off at a hotel on Saturday. I got there, got in the hotel. I said, God, I need a job. The next day, God said, look over at Sutherland's, where Sutherland's paint store. I walked over there, put in the application. This Sunday, Sunday, put in the application. God, I said, I need a job. I said, God, now I need an apartment. My friends took me to an apartment behind Will and his apartment. I put in the application. This is Sunday. When God calls you, he's going to provide for you. This is Sunday. Put in the application. Put in the apartment on Sunday evening. Left there. Went to Raymond. Sun, 6 o'clock service. Praising God. The next day, Monday morning, God said, go get your job. Walked across the street. I said, I just put in the application Saturday. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an opening in the paint department. You know about paint? I said, I'm going to know about it now. Just tell me what I need to do. Mixed paint. I said, I'll learn. So he said, you need to go take a drug test. I went and I said, I tell this because it, it blows my mind every time I tell it. He said, I had to go take a drug test. I went and took a drug test. I came back. This was before 9 o'clock. My son's still sleeping in the hotel. Took the drug test. Coming back, the Holy Spirit said, go get your apartment. I'm like, I just put an application Saturday. He said, go get your apartment. I had to call my friends. Where is the place I put an the application? They told me where it was behind Wooden Hills Mall. I go there. 
I tell the lady, I say, hey, I just put an application. Say, I just want to see what y'all have available. She said, oh, yeah, sure. We have a, a efficiency, like, you know, everything in the same room. You throw a nickel, you're going to hit the bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Everything closed. I said, I'll take it. One bedroom, she said, I'll take it. So we're walking back to the office. Out of the blue, the lady tells me, she said, if you have a deposit, you can move in now. This is Monday. I'm like, she said, yeah, you can move in now. It's 475, whatever, in those days. She said, go to Quick Trip. Never heard of Quick Trip. I came from California. She said, go to Quick Trip, get a money order. I run a Quick Trip, get a money order, do the paperwork. The lady give me my keys and whatever. I called the people before 10 o'clock because I just paid my $40 for my apartment rent for the hotel. I said, if I'm back before uh, 10 o'clock, can I get my $40 back? And I'm like, I need every penny I can get. And it's like 9.30. I rush back, 9.45, run upstairs, grab my son. I said, Troy, get up. He said, what? I said, we got an apartment. We got to be out here in 15 minutes. Grab everything. We run downstairs. I get my money back. I go to the apartment. I sit down. I'm just crying. I said, God, you're an awesome. You are an awesome God. In three days, I have an apartment and a job on your word to go to Bible college. So I'm telling you now, if God tell you to do something, he will provide for you. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.